Due to popular demand from my bosses, the Mariners' week that was on Seattle Sports returns. Shannon Dreyer here with a wrap-up of Mariners talk that you might have missed on Seattle Sports. I'm going to give you the highlights from the interviews and conversations on what was one of the more interesting weeks of the baseball calendar. I, of course, am talking about the winter meetings. You'll hear from, among others, Jerry Depoto, Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times, prospect insider Jason Churchill, and the man who broke the Aaron Judge signing, John Morosi. We're also going to learn a little bit more about trade target Brian Reynolds from Jason Massey, who covers the Pirates for the Post-Gazette. In addition, we'll have the host chime in and hear from a player, a new player, which is where we start when Colton Wong called in from the beach in Hawaii. We get to know him a little bit more with this interview on Bumpin' Stacy. Hey, uh, Colton, it's uh, it's 38 degrees here in Seattle. Why don't you paint us a picture of where you're at right now, man? I mean, what, what's Hawaii like right now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not, it's kind of similar, I guess. It's sunny, you know, nice eighty-two degree weather. <laughs> a few clouds, a few Thanks. clouds in the sky. Thanks, I'm, sitting, I'm sitting right by the beach, and there's oh, nice wells coming in. So you know, it's pretty similar, I'd say. <laughs> Colton, if, if there's anything I've learned playing with um, with guys from the island, is that man, it's like a it's like a frat. You guys stick together. You guys love each other. Um, the greats kind of yeah. interact. Are you close with, with any of the guys from the island, like like Tua, Marcus Mariota? Um, I play with a guy, Jason Gesser. What, what's that frat like being, being from the island? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, we always try to stick, stick together, keep in contact. Uh, you know, Tua, Marcus, like, we're not, you know, best friends by any means, but I know all these guys very well. We talk yeah. and communicate and whatnot, constantly are pulling for one another. And, you know, even guys, uh, you know, in the Yankees, Isaiah kind of Falefa, mm-hmm. a lot of other baseball players, you know, like Kirby Yates. Um, you know, you just try to pull for for your guys. You know, we know that we're a tight-knit community. We don't have a lot of us out there. So, you know, seeing people from Hawaii to go out and do it and, you know, continue to create this wave and movement for kids back home to believe that you can finally, you know, achieve this dream, that's kind of what it's all about. And I think that's been the common message that, you know, every guy that's in professional sports right now is trying to push is, you know, show these kids that there's another opportunity. Uh, Hawaii is, is a beautiful place, but it's also a tough place because, you know, you can go one or two ways. You know, you can either get off the island or, you know, find a good job or, you know, there's the ability to go, you know, south, you know, and, and we all know what that is. So I try to yeah. promote this as much as I can, continue to try to, you know, push the youth to realize that, you know, yeah, school is important, doing all this, but there's other routes, you know. Everybody wants to be a football player. You know, there's baseball now. You know, basketball is starting to come up, and, you know, there's some soccer players out there. So, you know, we're just trying to continue to show kids in Hawaii there's other routes. That's awesome. Um, I wanted to get to just a couple questions about the Mariners quickly here while we still have you for just a few minutes. Um, This is a team that uh, not only made the playoffs last year for the first time in 21 years, but has its eyes set on going even further. They are set on a World Series. What's it like to come into a team knowing that, like, hey, no, the plan is really to get to the postseason and your veteran savvy is going to help? I mean, what's that feel like? Oh, it's amazing. You know, I think that's kind of the goal for every player when they start to get to this point in their careers. Uh, you know, we call it ring chasing. Uh, you know, you're, you're at the point where you're just, you just want to be with a, a solid team that you know has an ability to go out there, uh, make it to playoff baseball, and once you get there, you know, anything can happen. We all know how, how that works. And it's all about the hotter team at the time. So, you know, I'm definitely excited. You've seen, you know, Seattle take huge steps last year. You know, so like I said, I want to literally just come in here and do my part. You know, if I got to have the conversations with some young guys or whatever, like, I feel like I know how to do it. I've had, you know, veterans who are able to show me how to do it the right way, you know, not where you're going to come in and try and police guys. You know, it's more about understanding, you know, how can I, you know, get on this guy's level and be able to communicate with him to show him, you know, what I'm trying to get across. Instead of me seeming like an old head, you know, these guys will see me as somebody like, you know, hey, this guy's just trying to help me out. At this point in my career, that's all I want to do. You know, just constantly try and make people better, you know, show kids how to, you know, take that next step to be professional. So I think, you know, me coming in, that's kind of my role, but also whatever I have to do. You know, if if, if they need me to come in and put a bun down in the ninth inning, I promise you I'll come in and give everything I got to put that bun down in the ninth inning. And there's no, I guess there's nothing with me. You know, I don't really have an attitude. I just like to go out there and compete and, and give it my all and see how it goes. Colton, have you heard anything about uh, the, the culture in the clubhouse here with the Mariners? I've watched many teams over the years, and this team seems relaxed. Uh, they seem like they really like each other. And, and how do you think you'll fit into that situation? Yeah, I mean, uh, I know Marco Gonzalez pretty well. You know, he was with the Cardinals and when he was a rookie and came up, so I was there with him when he 
made his debut. And so I'm, I'm definitely excited to come in. I, I talked to him a little bit about the culture and what it's about. And, you know, it's one of those things where I'm just going to come in and kind of sit back and, you know, just evaluate the whole thing, try and make sure that I'm not stepping on anybody's toes, make sure that, you know, I'm not ruining the vibe for anybody. I just want to, you know, come in and be another part of this team. You know, whatever that means is, you know, as long as we're continuing to get better and uh, play good baseball, that's really all I'm, I'm worried about. Colton, last one I got for you. Um, you know, I'm a football guy, played football growing up. Who was your yeah. favorite football team growing up, especially being out there on the island? Yeah, favorite football team growing up was the San Diego Chargers. Mm. When, I was, when I was growing up, I had the chance to do a punt, pass, and kick. Nice. And we did it in old Qualcomm Stadium. So I got a chance to watch Junior Seau, Doug Flutie. And, uh, you know, as a kid from Hawaii growing up, Junior Seau is like your, is like your god. You know, so getting a chance sure. to see him come out and do his thing and uh, seeing Doug Flutie, do, you know, sling the ball, being basically my height that I am now, uh, you know, it was incredible to watch. And, but ever since they moved to L.A., I kind of lost, lost that love for him. I was like, oh, you know what, so I'm a free agent now. So, you know, Seattle <laughs> could definitely be on, on the market, I'd say. That's 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 great. I'm sure Seahawks fans are very happy to hear that. Junior Seau, I immediately thought of when yeah, you said it. Sure. Colton, I am telling you right now, listeners on our text line are so excited. Love this guy. A message from multiple numbers. Mariners fans, awesome. so happy to have you. You enjoy the rest of the offseason. Congratulations from both Bump and myself on the new baby. Um, and uh, we will Thank see you, you here when you get here in the spring. Thanks, Colton. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. The full interview can be found in the links that accompanies this post. But for me, this was great stuff. I have yet to meet Colton. I'll be dealing with him every day in the clubhouse. And from everything I've heard, he's a great clubhouse guy. What jumped out at me in the full interview is this is a vet who clearly knows who he is. I was really impressed with what I heard from the full interview. There was no tiptoeing around the platoon role. It hasn't been definitively said, but he seems to know that's what it's going to be. And he actually brought it up. Usually players have a big distaste for that kind of thing, but uh, he was kind of different. He gave a shout out to Dylan Moore on the job that he did against lefties. And you heard in that clip right there, he just wants to win. Good stuff for a first interview. More good stuff, and he does this with a video on Seattle Sports and YouTube each week. Bob's Baseball Takes. A little inside baseball or inside radio or inside radio baseball here. Bob Stelton and I go way back. We both started in radio in Seattle at the same place at about the same time. Uh, I think Bob has got a great balance of the passion of a fan and knowledge of the game and how it works at the MLB level. He pops into the radio booth and the clubhouse quite often during the season, and I really value his commitment to that. This week, there are plenty of topics to address. Hi, Bob. Brett, it's good to be back, man. Let's talk baseball. Let's. It's been too long. So... Going into the winter meetings, the Mariners have made four additions, most recently Colton Wong. What do you think so far? Uh, I really like the Teoscar Hernandez addition. Um, Colton Wong, I, I feel like this is sort of like the Winker deal last year where it's, it's a player from the National League that you're not spending a lot of time watching. So you're sort of left to look at stats and talk to people. And he's a guy who's going to be 33 years old. Uh, we had a beat writer on from Milwaukee just... You know, tell us about this guy. We can look at his numbers. And much like last year when we talked to the Reds beat reporter that did not give a glowing review of a Eugenio Suarez, it was kind of similar for, for Colton Wong in that he said, great guy, great guy, uh, is, is talented, can do a lot of things, but it was a rough year. He committed 17 errors last year and probably should have had more, but had some very favorable hometown scoring is what the beat writer said. So... It's a guy who uh, had a down year defensively, who's, you know, in terms of, you know, prime athletic years, he's not in his prime. And then we're hearing it looks like it could be a platoon situation with him and Dylan Moore, who's not an everyday player. One guy will bat face righties, the other guy lefties. It sounds like if, if they hang on to him, maybe he becomes a trade piece. I'm not sure. But if you go into the season with a platoon situation at second base, I don't love that. That doesn't get me excited. That doesn't make me feel like you took the next step. That you took last year, hey, we won 90 wins. We had 90 wins again. We won a playoff series. We ended that drought. We won a playoff series in Toronto. We are knocking on the door. Let's let's jump through the window. Let's let's make this happen. Let's send a message to the fan base and to the guys, more importantly, in that clubhouse and say, hey, we're, we're bringing in the reserves you need. You're short a couple bats. We're bringing them in. Now, Colton Wong could end up being great, but... 
if you're just looking at his age, his production, what, and you guys can go check out the interview on the, at seattlesports.com, it wasn't a great sales job on who he is. So I'm, I'm, I'm sort of underwhelmed with that particular move. Love Hernandez, Colton Wong, remains to be seen. I think I know the answer to this next question, but what is the next move you want the Mariners to make? Uh, Brian Reynolds. I would like to see him. He's made it clear he'd like to leave Pittsburgh. I can't believe every player doesn't say that once they've been in the league for a couple years with that team. Um, But he fits what you want. He's a 27-year-old outfielder who plays great defense by everybody's account. Uh, You look at he's a switch hitter. You look at his splits. He hits just as well against lefties as he does righties. You need an outfielder. We don't know what's going to happen with Mitch Hanniger. It doesn't feel like he's coming back. I don't know if Kelnick is a guy who's going to be playing at this level or not. We know he can play defense. We still don't know if he can hit. So you've got Teoscar Hernandez, whose calling card is not defense, um, and Julio. So you, you need another bat, and you need another outfielder. This guy fits. Now, what are they going to want for him? Because he's still, I think he's still uh, got three years left in terms of being arbitration eligible. So... They, they may want a boatload. Maybe it'll be too much in the way of prospects. I don't know how much of your, your major league roster you can unload because pirates don't like to pay people. That's what happens as soon as a guy gets in a position to make any serious money, they ship him out. So I don't know if you could send you know Marco and, and uh, maybe Kelnick or something like that. I don't, I don't know what it is they're going to be looking for. I would imagine it'll be a lot. But that's, that's a player I would love to see on this roster. Is there anybody that you can think of, kind of the younger Mariners players, that would be untouchable to get Reynolds? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much you want to mess with. You know, you've got Kirby and Gilbert there, and Emerson Hancock's a guy that you hear brought up a lot. Cade Marlowe's a guy you hear brought up. I, we get attached to these guys because we hear about them so often. We haven't seen them at this level. So you always deal with the, with the potential of shipping off the next great player. You don't know because you've never seen them at this level. It, it's, it's the old question is it better to have you know a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush is that a proven commodity at this level who's an all-star caliber player at this level who's still young is that worth more than the potential of a couple of these guys for me I'd say yes where the Mariners are right now they are opening the window to their to their postseason future it started last year it remains this year in the next couple of years are those guys going to be contributors the young guys Moving forward, is it going to be two or three years down the road? Whereas Reynolds impacts your roster right now. So depending on where Jerry and, and, and Justin and Stanton believe they are, that to me should dictate what kind of move they make. But for me, I feel like time is now. This is not the time to pinch pennies. This is the time to capitalize on what you guys have built the past couple of years. You've got the city engaged. You've got this fan base fired up, and they are invested. Because I, I love seeing when, when they're mad. When they're happy, what, as long as there's an emotion coming out of them, they have a response. Whereas in the past, it was apathetic. It was like, eh, it's the Mariners, whatever, they're going to lose. Now people are like, why did they do this? I love that they did this. They're invested. you got to capitalize on that. This is not the time to go bargain shopping for a guy that, you know, yeah, he was good a couple years ago. We think we can, you know, wring out that sponge and get maybe another year or two out of him. This isn't the time for that. So the Mariners never really seem to be in on any of the four big shortstops and instead have been making still moves and trades. How do you feel about that? I think we all wish they were, you know, with the heavy hitters that were in line for Aaron Judge and Trey Turner and and Xander Bogarts and all that. I think we've been conditioned to believe that's just not the pool they swim in for whatever reason. They make a lot of money. This is a profitable team, and if they get to the postseason – uh, I, again, I would imagine that, that that income stream just continues to grow because there's an excitement. I don't know what the numbers look like, but I would bet a lot of the season ticket packages or the 10-game packages or whatever's being offered out there are selling at a different pace than they have in the past because of what we just talked about. This fan base is invested. So they have the financial wherewithal to make some of those deals if they wanted to. It's about their tolerance. It's about what, what are we willing to spend. Yeah, I'd, I'd, realistically... Did I ever believe they were in it for Trey Turner? Not really, but I, that was the dream that they would be in that, in that mix. So it's, it's a little bit of a bummer when you see those guys landing elsewhere and then we're going, okay, but we got Colton Wong who made platoon with Dylan Moore. You're going, oh, well, okay, that should be fun. I mean, it's, it's, it's the lesser of those moves. It's not, it, it's not nearly as sexy. It's not nearly as exciting. Perhaps he'll be effective. Perhaps Colton Wong will be a, 
he had an absolute fine. We haven't really watched him because he played in the National League, played for the Brewers. So we'll see what he is, but it feels like a for now move. It feels like, all right, this, this kind of occupies that spot for now if they don't move him. Um, and we'll see what they do in the future. And if you were wondering, that's Brent Stecker from SeattleSports.com firing the questions. Now, not in the clip, but in the link below, Bob also shares his thoughts on Wong, keeping up with the Astros, and a great segment which we're going to hear a little bit later on in this podcast. On Tuesday, Ryan Divish got the baseball talk going on Brock and Salk. Divish, of course, was at the winter meetings in San Diego and was there when Jerry Depoto revealed that contrary to what most, self-included, were thinking, they weren't looking for left-handed bats. Rather, he's looking for righties. I kind of, you know, when I was looking at the roster, I agree with you a little bit, Mike. Looking in the past, anyways, the left-handed bat kind of seemed to fit. Um, just because, like, they, they seemed a little right-handed heavy. You know, Teoscar Hernandez, Julio, France, Suarez. You know, they're, the middle kind of bulk of their order is very heavily right-handed. I mean, you look at the left-handed bats on the, on the roster that – that you think are going to play it's it's Cal Raleigh as a switch hitter JP Crawford your shortstop and then Colton Wong that they just kind of signed so there wasn't like an abundance but you know as he pointed out last night they, they just don't if you look at their their current outfield right now what they have on their roster you know they'll probably go into the season with with you know Che Oscar and, and Julio and then probably Jared Kelnick on as their three outfielders and if they had to, you know, if the season started tomorrow, they'd probably put Taylor Trammell as one of the outfielders, or you know, because you have, still have Sam Haggerty as a as a utility guy and, and Dylan Moore's utility guy. So that, in that way, they just didn't want to have Kelnick against these, all these lefties. I, I think like we saw kind of what happened to Jared uh, when he was called up, you know, in 2021, and even at times last year, it just seemed like any time that kid was going to be in the lineup, there was a tough lefty starting, and then he would also have to face. <laughs> you know, a tough lefty coming out of the pan. I think they want a right-handed bat to offset that. So he's not out there all the time. Uh, you know, if he's, if he's the guy on the roster, they don't want him out there against lefty starters. Your number one target for you. Salk wrote about it. He's got 10 different names. I know who his number one is. Who would be your number one corner outfielder, either via free agency or if you've got to go down the trade route? Who's your number one? Like from a realistic standpoint? Yes. Uh, it would be... It would be Brian Reynolds it would be the number one because he's the, I mean, he is, he, he is everything that the Mariners want, like to be like to fix their team. He can play all three outfield spots. I mean, I don't know that he's an elite center fielder anymore, but he's still a really good center fielder, switch hitter. He produces, he can run, he's athletic. He sees the ball, you know, he works a count. He is the guy. I mean, they've had a, a, a baseball crush on Brian Reynolds for, for years and it was funny i i asked one time they i said you ever you guys ever consider brian reynolds I'm like yeah we're not stupid <laughs> you know they called on they called on reynolds i think it was a year ago and he you know they just said well yeah we'll take julio or we'll take nothing and the mayor's like well you'll get nothing and like it um but like reynolds the other thing with him is that he's got i think it's three years of club control this year plus two seasons after that yep. he makes 6.5 million you get brian reynolds now you get him now in a trade, you still have, and we talked about this, and it like you know hasn't been kind of written about a ton. But Teoscar Hernandez comes off the books next year. Cole Malong is a one-year deal. You know you have money freeing up. All of a sudden, you have a little bit more surplus of cash to go after that guy named Otani. You know, and I think that's another thing. Like Reynolds doesn't cost you a lot. You're not spending thirty million or twenty million to get him a year per year. He's, you're giving up prospects, which do cost, but you know the Mariners have been pretty good lately about drafting, developing, and signing top prospects. I mean, they're on the verge when the when they have the uh, international signing day, they're going to have one of the top players in the whole international uh, class this year, which I believe is a shortstop. Yeah, we're talking to Ryan Divish, who is uh, at the winter meetings, and, and you and I see that the same way with Brian Reynolds, that he would be the best fit. And he's a switch hitter, so he kind of takes care of both the right-handed and the, the left-handed element of this lineup. Uh, there were some other names, though, that I found intriguing, and I know there's been so much focus on you know the four or five uh, free agent outfielders, whether it's Nimmo or Conforto or Hanager, obviously, or uh, even Cody Bellinger. 
But I, I started looking at trade possibilities. Two names kind of came up that I thought were interesting. One seems maybe more likely than the other. But they were Tyler O'Neill and Mike Yastrzemski. And, and both are left-handed, so maybe what you learned yesterday starts to negate some of that interest. But they were two places where I thought there might be a bit of a surplus and where you might see a fit with what the Mariners are looking for. Well, I, no, O'Neill's right-handed. At least the last I remember, he's right-handed. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you, you know, go. My bad. So, yeah, so maybe uh, he does fit usually, the right-handed part. Usually all I remember of him is just curls for the girls and, you know, <laughs> the deep voice. How are you doing, bro? Do you, uh, remember, no, do you he, remember the story about him when he did his first interview at uh, FanFest? And Rick, I think it was Riz, one of the announcers said, man, you've really got great pipes. Talking about his voice. And he was like, yeah, thanks. I work out. Got the curls. <laughs> Oh my God! I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, yeah, I think he would fit in that way. You know, the thing is with like Jerry, I don't. You know, I think it's probably more attainable on the free agent market if you're going to go with. I mean, like I wouldn't call it incremental improvement, but if you're just going to try and pick up a guy that you need to have a right-handed bat that you know you just want to have in, and you don't want to give up too much in prospect capital, you could you can go out and get a Brian Anderson type or somebody like that. Um, but yeah, Tyler O'Neill totally fits and he does bring a power quotient. And I do think that like, you know, you might be on a buy low a little bit. He didn't have the best year this year comparatively mm-hmm. to his all-star year. Uh, he's dinged up a lot. That was the big fear about Tyler. I think too, is he's so bulky and he played like a total lunatic on the field that they didn't think he was going to be able to stay healthy. And he has been dinged up, but yeah, it's an option. I'm sure it's something they've explored. Like I said, I think they'll, they'll do anything they can to add that right-handed bat. And I think, you know, he even said he might add two, which is, is very interesting. All, you know, part of that is, too, is he mentioned, you know, maybe having some cover for Ty France at first base and having a backup third baseman in the, in the organization. You know, they didn't know until yesterday that Dylan Moore is going to, you know, have to have a surgery on his core, and so that may change their math. They expect Dylan Moore to be ready by spring training. We just never know with core injuries. So I think, you know, they have to kind of look and say, look, these are the places on the roster where they can add right-handed bat and he always said he they aren't like just driven by that they want a good hitter but they prefer at least one right-handed bat to pick up and maybe they add a left-handed bat as well I, I just don't i think at this point when you're when you're operating on these kind of specifics of what you want you still want to add and you want to get better because that's the places where you can get better i mean you're not going out and getting an everyday first baseman or you're not going out and getting a new shortstop much to the chagrin of mariners fans you have kind of your main guys in place how do you add to make your offense better? Those are spots where you can add to make your offense better, to be deeper. And so you do withstand the injury bug. Because last year, the Mariners' offense was hurt by injuries a ton when Hanniger went out. The full interview includes Divish's thoughts on what it'll take to land Brian Reynolds and some entertaining tales from winter meetings past. Now, a couple of hours later, Bump and Stacy with another great guest. They had a long and very informative talk with prospect insiders Jason Churchill. What are the Mariners going to do? What should they do? What should you want them to do? Jason has got some thoughts. Stacy starts him off with the show's question of the day. Have the Mariners done enough? Jason, have the Mariners done enough this offseason? I guess that depends on what you think they should be doing. And, and for me, they should enter the 2023 season as one of the top five teams in major league baseball, that should be their goal because I think there are probably about four five, six teams that are going to be kind of at the top of that list for world series contenders. And if you're the Mariners and you're John Stanton and you're Jerry DePoto and you're Scott service, Justin Hollander, and you're the leaders of that baseball team. If you can't get the spring training, you can't get to the opening weekend. They're late in March feeling like you are one of the elite five or six teams in baseball then I think maybe the front office came up short. And, and, and I think that should be the goal. So, no, they, they, they haven't done enough. I don't think they've done nearly enough. I think there are at least four players away. One of those is probably a reliever. Uh, one of those is a number four starter, so they can bump Chris Flex and Marco Gonzalez out of the rotation permanently. But I think they need two more hitters. Jason, Reynolds has been uh, the name, the hot name, I guess, over here in the Northwest. Um, people are hoping that they pick this guy up. What do you think it'll take – for the Mariners to get Reynolds, and how likely do you think um, it is that this thing goes down? Yeah, Brian Reynolds, really good player. Switch hitter, can play center field for you if you stick him in a corner. He's probably plus there, uh, which is also an upgrade, something the Mariners need to address. That That's going to be a tough one for me because if you're putting out an all-star caliber player, 
uh, with three years of control like that, that really just it doesn't really have any major weaknesses. You know he's going to show up and be an above average to plus player from day one and for three years and for a very, very reasonable price compared to these free agent deals that are being thrown around for all-star level talent. I, if I'm Pittsburgh, I look at my organization and I see one glaring weakness, and that is young arms, young impact arms, arms that come in like Logan Gilbert and George Kirby. And if you're Seattle, you're just not trading Logan Gilbert or George Kirby right now for Brian Reynolds. You're not trading five years of Logan Gilbert or six years of George Kirby for three years of Brian Reynolds. When you have money to spend and you have other trades you can make to bring in talent to grab offense. So if Pittsburgh does what I think they should do, I don't think Seattle can really get in, you know, tight and, and, and strong for Brian Reynolds, at least right now. Things can change. Pittsburgh's uh, system can change. Their big league club can change. Their goals can change. And certainly Seattle can develop the Bryce Millers and the Emerson Hancocks a little better, a little more the first three, four months of the season. Maybe in July that looks a lot different. Maybe in July Emerson Hancock looks a little more like a George Kirby or a Logan Gilbert and carries that kind of value to headline a deal like that. Otherwise, I think it's going to be awfully tough for Seattle to get Brian Reynolds. I hear you on that one. Um, if you uh, think they should add another couple bats, and both Bump and I agree with you, what names are you uh, watching for in free agency? You know, I think the the wild card here might actually be the the, the player that was posted officially today, and and that's Masataka Yoshida from uh, from Ichiro's old club over in Japan. And I know there's a lot of gray area here in terms of hey, if a hitter does X over in Japan, what does that mean he can do you know in the states? But this is a guy who checks all the boxes from an offensive standpoint for the Mariners. Makes a lot of contact, draws some walks has some power. He's left-handed. I know we've heard Jerry talk about they want to get right-handed hitting outfielder, but the word early on Yoshida was that the Mariners had done a lot of work and had done a lot of background and a lot of scouting on Yoshida. And the only left-handed bat they've added since then is a one-year answer at second base. And this team is very, very right-handed right now. Think about it. It's just Cal Raleigh, a switch hitter, Colton Wong, and I guess Jared Kelnick, if you want to pencil him in for some kind of a role in left field. Very right-handed lineup. So I, I think they're a left-handed bat away, and I think they're a right-handed bat away from being done offensively. And Yoshida can take care of one of those right things. Not a great defensive player, uh, but you can put him out there 40, 50 games a year, give those other three outfielders a chance to rest a little bit, use that DH spot for him, and you get a left-handed bat with some upside. I think he's the wild card because if you can get in on him, you probably don't have to pay him for his upside because there's always that – uh, you know, that formula. Okay, he did this in MPV. He did this in Japan. What's he going to do over here? 60% of that, 70% of that, 80% of that. You tend to not pay 100 cents on the dollar for those Japanese players coming over early in their careers with their first contract. He's 29 years old. This is probably going to be the biggest contract he signs. But you're probably still not talking about $150 million, and that's probably what Brandon Nimmo is looking for right now. So I think Yoshida is kind of the wild card to all of this. But I could see Seattle doing something like that, something like Yoshida, something uh, or even something more like Teoscar Hernandez. We'll get another guy like that that's just a one-year fix. And then in left field, where this particular player could play some, you could do some sort of a platoon scenario where Jared Kelnick's facing righties, a Will Myers or an A.J. Pollock is facing lefties, and that gives you uh, kind of two opportunities. One, it gives you a chance to give Jared Kelnick some at-bats without leaning on him fully and if he struggles again and you have to send him out, you have that veteran player to take those at bat. So you kind of build yourself a cushion there. So that's kind of the way I'm thinking about these other two hitters for the Mariners right now. Do you want your baseball team to spend or do you want your baseball team to win? I love that line. And I think if you miss the point, it's about how you spend. Of course, two of the targets he talked about, Masataka Yoshida and Brandon Nimmo, they're off the board. Interesting, it was actually kind of ballpark on what Nemo got. That was good stuff. How about a little bit more? All right, last question here, uh, Church. I'm just curious about, obviously, I think we're all kind of expecting the Mariners to still make a move, despite the sentiment from DePoto that they're happy with what they have. Um, so we're all kind of expecting them to continue to improve. What are your own expectations for this club in 2023? Yeah, starting with the offseason, they're not done. Uh, it could take a while. They could wait until 
February, March to make the biggest move between now and, and, and the start of the regular season. I could even see them getting into the first couple of games of the season and then, and then finding a team that wants to part with a player that they could really use. I could see that happening as well. Uh, but th- they can't be done. They can't sit there and be satisfied with what's happened and think that they're going to compete with the Houston Astros and put themselves in a good position to go back to the postseason because that has to be the goal. It can't just be let's compete for the wild card. That can't be the goal here, and it's and it's clearly not. Uh, you heard Justin Hollander in the end of the year presser say, "Hey, we know where we're at. There, there's no, you know, illusions that we're right there with the Astros. They finished 16 games ahead of us. The, those were Justin Hollander's words. They know where they are and where they need to get." They're just not in a rush to get there, but you still have to do as much as you can to put yourselves in the best position possible to win 9,500 games because we know the Astros, Justin Verlander or not, are going to do that. So uh, right now it's really tough to say they're anything more than a 92-win team, but one thing we really can't quantify at this point, one thing we really can't come up with reliable data on is how much better does Julio Rodriguez get? How much better does George Kirby get? How much better does Cal Raleigh get? How much better does Logan Gilbert get? And I actually think Cal Raleigh and Logan Gilbert probably have uh, the most room for improvement versus what we saw this past year. Cal Raleigh was great. I just don't think this is a guy that should be hitting 250, 260 and getting on base 32, 33% of the time, which is you know, a vast improvement from this past year to go with the power. Uh, Logan Gilbert, I think, has a chance to be a number two starter. He was good in 2022, but he hasn't reached the ceiling yet. And the Mariners are going to have Luis Castillo for the entire season. They're going to have George Kirby for the entire season. This is this should be, at the end of the day, a 95-win team at least. But they still have pieces. They still have holes in this roster that need to be filled that they don't have in their farm system. So while I expect them to be good again in 2023, the final product, we're not seeing it right now. That roster is going to change quite a bit between now and April. On the trade front, Churchill did not sound optimistic the Mariners would be able to trade for Brian Reynolds. For more on Reynolds and the situation in Pittsburgh, Jason Mackey of the Post-Gazette joined Wyman and Bob. I was not expecting this at all. Uh, Ben Charrington talked yesterday and said he sort of expected it, but I mean, this is not the Brian Reynolds that I know. Um, I also understand, you know, learning more about the situation, why he did it, why it makes sense for him and his camp. Um, and basically what it's, it's a mechanism to try and get the contract that they feel like they're not going to get in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, Reynolds ask was fairly substantial in terms of years and dollars. I can't give exact numbers and, and, you know, the pirates offer was actually semi-respectable, but it was still pretty far away. And so, you know, he's most tradable with years of club control, which he still has. He's under contract in 2025. Um, obviously a very, very good player. He's going to make six and a half million this year ahead of the winter meetings. Like I understand why he sort of pulled the ripcord and why they did it now. Well, Jason, uh, t- tell us a little bit about the organization. Cause you know, I- I'm not sure I'm, I'm looking at Spotrack, but you know, Pittsburgh pirates, not wanting to spend a lot of money, 28 million, uh, according to, to their numbers, where, where kind of is this, is this franchise going? Give us a sense of who he is. As I said, I read I read your article. I've read some other pieces on him, and they, they all echo the same things about his work ethic, and he's just a pro, nose to the grindstone, pretty quiet guy. Uh, what, what, what's the what's the feeling out there amongst the fans? I mean, it feels like, hey, we've got a star here who's only 27 years old, but he doesn't want to be here. If if they were to make that move and, and, and get what they could for him right now, how would I, I'm assuming that would be poorly received out there, or are they sort of expecting it? Yeah, no, I think it would be poorly received. It's been poorly received since he's made the the trade demand, and I understand why. Um, You know, fans have sort of taken this as a referendum on the Pirates, um, which they seem to do a lot. It seems like everything that happens with the Pirates, it's like some bigger picture story about them and why they suck, which, like, I don't know. I I guess I kind of get that, Um, you know, but, like, I, I know why Reynolds did what he did, and it wasn't because he thinks the Pirates bank or whatever it's just like you know it's not going to happen here and i understand why you just get to a point where like you know we're, we're not going to ever meet where we need to meet and so why are we wasting time like the best scenario for me is going to be to do this it's a bit of a hard decision uh but anyway as far as the fan sentiment and how it was received like you know they they really liked watching brian reynolds he's a fun player um, very steady in center field. I, I have really enjoyed my interactions with him over the years as a beat writer. Like 
you know, he's just, he's got a sneaky sense of humor. He's, he's quiet. He's got this Southern drawl kind of talks like this. And he doesn't, <laughs> you know, he doesn't, doesn't deviate much from that. But inside of that, like he's really quick witted. Um, he's available. He doesn't say much, but you know, he has some good lines now and then um, he'll bounce around the clubhouse and joke around with people. He's got a good sense of humor, but he's just, He's got a good heart. He's available. He treats people decently. Like if I'm if I'm playing Major League Baseball, he is 100 percent the type of guy I want in my clubhouse. Yeah, that that's good to hear. Now you said he plays um, center field. Uh, is he flexible, Jason? I mean, can he play the corners, or what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think he he'd be fine. Um, there is, had he stayed in Pittsburgh, he probably would have got some reps in left. Um, they're left center at PNC park. I'm sure you guys have been there. It's pretty spacious. And so, I mean, it's sort of like two center fielders and I mean, he's perfectly capable in left or center. I don't think I've ever seen him play right field, but I don't get the sense that he would struggle doing that. Um, you know, he's not a flashy, you know, make just these terrific acrobatic catches but he generally gets pretty good reads on the ball. Um, he knows his limitations. His arm is good enough. Um, I don't think he would be out of place whatsoever in center field. And at the same time, like, you know, if he needed to bump over to left, I don't, I, I don't think he'd care in the least. Like he's just that guy. Like you ask him to play shortstop, he'd probably do it. If for some reason that was the best thing for his team. So what, what's your expectation? Sort of a two-part question. A, do you expect that he will be in another uniform to start the season? And B, what do you think it takes to get him away from Pittsburgh? Yeah, I, I do expect him to be in a different uniform. Um, you know, in conversations with people here, like I have, I have yet to talk to somebody who legitimately thinks he's going to stick with the Pirates. Like even people with the Pirates are thinking like, yeah, I mean, there's no way we can ride this out. Um, you know, they put out the statement right after news broke that he wanted to be traded. But, you know, I mean, you sort of have to do that, right? You're just playing defense. You're trying to, you know, make it seem like you're not going to let him get away for nothing. Um, I, I just don't know how you can continue down this road. And so, I mean, what it takes to get him, uh, multiple MLB players, um, the Pirates in the past have sort of prioritized volume. You know, they've gotten four- and five-player deals, guys at lower levels for, like, Joe Musgrove, Jamison Tyone. And, and those deals worked at the time. I don't think that's what they're going to be targeting this time. I mean, they're going to be targeting, I would say, probably two major league-ready players and a prospect. Um, I, you know, that's what they're targeting. I don't know if that's that w- w- what they'll get. Um, they'd like to add pitching. They'd like to add an outfielder. I think the prospect can kind of be anything. But... You know, I mean, if if the price is going to be steep, we certainly know that. I think there are going to be several bidders for him. But, you know, if the Pirates can get themselves like a legitimate major league outfielder who's probably pre-arb, if they can get a starter who is at least capable of competing for starts and and plus like a, a flyer down the road, I think it could make sense for them. In the full interview, again, which can be found in the links, Mackey has asked about some of the struggles Reynolds had last season, how he should fare with the new shift rules, and does he see him as a fit for the Mariners? On Wednesday, we take it back to Bump and Stacy, where Ryan Roland Smith joined them from the winter meetings and brought a different view of Reynolds, which he gets into a little bit later in this interview, but starts with a need he thinks the Mariners have that perhaps is getting overlooked. I still want to see him as another starting pitcher. I know they're talking about, you know, with Marco and Chris Flexen potentially putting one of those guys into a trade because that's how they like to do it. They like mm-hmm. to get clever with these trades. I still I still see the need there for that that depth in the pitching. We got so lucky last year that no one went on the IL. It happened. Some one of those big dogs, if it's whether it's Kirby, Logan Gilbert, Robbie Ray, Castillo, I hate to say it, but it's very rare that they go unscathed on the IL. I, I still think they have to add you know, some pitching. Even if they get a one-year or two-year, someone who's looking to resurrect their career or something, but I still I still think they have to add some depth there as well. I agree with you. We are talking with Ryan Roland-Smith, Mariners broadcaster, right now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Lots of hot stove conversation. Ryan, you said something interesting, which I do agree with, which is in an ideal world, you know, like many of the best championship teams, you have this core and nucleus of some homegrown talent that all works out. What I worry about with Seattle is they have two great bats that are homegrown with Cal Raleigh and Julio Rodriguez. I, I, I just wonder if there's a little bit of... 
uh, a, a deficiency or a gap in in where they might be able to find one extra bat in the lineup that's homegrown because you know they've traded guys away. I'm looking at the prospects and I'm seeing like, oh, you got you know you got Ford who's a ways away but potentially a bat. I mean he's a catcher. You got some other guys in there. What do you think about the idea of whether they do have a homegrown bat that could come up soon, or whether they may have to find that help via trade? Yeah, I think you know, the, the, the second option, I think, you know, via trade, I think if you're going to see a big move again with the, the Mariners and you're talking about, you know, a really impactful move that's exciting, uh, I think that you, at some point you may have to give up, you know, some of the, the farm. That's why you have them. And you mentioned, too, uh, when you're talking about some of the, these these homegrown guys, there is a bit of a gap. Like, we had, the last couple of years, we've had the strongest minor league system but a lot of these guys are starting to you know, come to fruition. Then there's a bit of a gap. Then you've got a lot of these you know, younger A-ball guys. So there, there is a bit of a, a gap there to fill. So it's one of those questions. Do you give up on one of these you know, younger, you know, three to four years away type guys and package them in with someone who's on the current roster to go out and, and, and fill that void? Another name that get, keeps getting thrown in there as well, talking about Outfit is this Cade Marlowe. I don't know a whole lot about him, but his name keeps popping up. Uh, everyone's super excited about him. He's dynamic as a player. Another young bat that we don't talk a, a whole lot about. Um, but Jerry seems to bring his name up a whole lot. So I feel like he's going to get a ton of chances. But, but I, I agree with you. I think that it's one of these decisions you've got to make because, look, it's not, a, it's not something where, yeah, and you talk about this with Jared Kilnick, even, even Taylor Trammell. It's not a situation like, oh, hey, we want to give him a, give him a crack and see if they can figure things out. It's, it's past due for that. I think it's a situation, yeah. You know, for 2023, you have gone, you've gone out, you've, you know, you cemented your rotation first of all. Um, you know, with, with Luis Castillo, Robbie Ray from, you know, last even last off season. Now it's the time where okay, we, if we do have this farm system, we have to start, you know, pushing this around a little bit to, to make something happen right now. And I think they're they're in a good spot to do that. So. I, I definitely see that happening. And, and like I said, if you were to give up someone who's three, four years away and you package that with you know someone on the current roster, go for it and, and go get another impact player. Impact players, a, a name that, that keeps coming up is uh, Ryan Reynolds. And I'm hearing that they want a pitcher, an outfielder, and a prospect. I need you to be right. my GM right now, Ryan. <laughs> what, 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 what are we doing? What are we doing? Well, look, I'll be honest with you there. Like, I, it's never a good look. And, and I've talked to some, yeah, because I'm here at the winter meetings, I've talked to some you know, ex-teammates of mine who are now working in front offices. It's never a good look ever if you're a player. And I'm not saying it was Brian Reynolds who called, who texted the GM and said, hey, listen, I want out. Uh, you know, called Ben Sherrington and said that. He's pro- probably his agent. His agent probably spoke up and wanted to be public and, and create some noise or whatever. But that's just never a good look for anyone because – you know, look, all these guys, as we know, especially in an environment like this here in San Diego, they all talk about different stuff. So your value for the organization you're in, you put the organization in a tough spot, you put yourself in a tough spot um, in, in making moves in that regard. So all of a sudden, if the organization you know, goes out and makes a move, it kind of handcuffs them a little bit because now you're sort of playing up for what the player wants or the, the agent wants. But with that being said, look, if... <laughs> Again, I don't want to sit here and say, look, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. He's a really good player. But I think the Pirates are going to be asking a lot for him and say, listen, don't bite the hand that feeds you. You are Pirates property. This is where you're at right now. And unless we get double bump what you just said or more than what you just said, well, then we're not going to take it. And and that's just the way it goes, buddy. You and your agent. So I think it's going to take a little bit more than that. Um, to, to get a guy like to Brian Reynolds, and, and you want to make sure, look, everyone's in the in the right state of mind too. I just, it's just never a good look when you hear that, especially in baseball for whatever reasons. Maybe it's different in football because it, it, things are different, but I don't know. Baseball, it's just it's just a bad look. Later on Wednesday, we heard from John Morosi in his weekly visit with Wyman and Bob. He, of course, was also at the winter meetings, and if you missed it, he broke the Aaron Judge, not Arson Judge, mind you, but Aaron Judge news of the signing. Hey, JP. Um... How much of a present do you owe your wife for helping her, for her helping you break the news because it was her birthday? Right. So, so here's the story. So, Mike, Mike, thank you for watching the show and, yes. and for, uh, for for chiming in on that. So, um, quick story. Uh, so, I'm out here on the West Coast, joining all of you in the beautiful Pacific time zone. Uh, but of course, my family is back in Michigan, and this is my wife's birthday. I 
every year miss her birthday because uh, unfortunately she did not plan things well in advance to have her birthday not fall during the winter meeting. And so, uh, so as a result, I miss it every year. And so this morning, uh, before she went to work at the hospital, I had to get up and call her and wanted to make sure we, we talked early in the morning. So I set my alarm for 5 a.m. out here and uh, got up at 5, and there had been a text sent, me, sent to me at about 4.45 with you know, some pretty important information about Aaron Judge. And so I said, oh, well, this is pretty good that I woke up early to wish her happy birthday because had I not and had it been a, you know, more of a normal 6 a.m. wake up, I might have knocked out the scoop. So as it was, uh, happy birthday to Alexis, and thank you to her as always because she is the only reason why, really, really and truly, the only reason why uh, I was able to report a, a nice story this morning. So I, I appreciate you asking, and, yes, I have, I have thanked my wife many times over and now it's a matter of public record that this is her birthday, so she's getting a lot of <laughs> nice birthday wishes from people that she wasn't expecting to hear from. Yeah, now you don't owe her as big of a present, right? Because she's getting the public right, birthday wishes. Exactly. So, so you're so right, Mike. So, so for me, I'm trying to when you're when you are away on your spouse's birthday, the best you can hope for is to play for the tie to just to just get back <laughs> to level. And so, I would just say that the, the hole that I have to dig myself out of when I return home. It's just it's a little shallower now than it was 24 hours ago. So it's, it's, it's really, really nice. So congratulations to Aaron Judge, and also thank you as well. I, li- I like that Mike looks at the angle of now I don't have to get as big of a present as I otherwise would yeah. have had to. Right. So I've saved money exactly. on this whole thing. Uh, hey, I love it. So, love uh, it. All right, so the Judge deal, done. Going back to the Yankees. We'll see what happens with the other guys. Let's talk about this Mariner team and – and uh, what what they have done, what they haven't done, it, it, they still, by their own admission, have said this. They they would like they need another outfielder. They need another bat. Who might that be? Who 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 are we looking? Are we still in the Benintendi Nimmo range? Are we are we sleeping on somebody that we're not talking about? Who's a realistic option? Because it's, I think they've made it pretty clear they're not going to go spend big money on anybody, and it's that's not always necessary, but. You know, the, the right. those of us that were wishing for Trey Turner or maybe Xander Bogarts or, I don't know, I'd like to see him pull off a trade for Brian Reynolds personally, but I don't know what the Pirates would ask in exchange. Right. What do you think? I, I do think Reynolds is a possibility. Uh, I, I'm not sure if if after the Luis Castillo deal that the Mariners would, would feel compelled to, to probably offer. You'd have to really give another uh, top 100 in the industry type prospect at the very least to get Brian Reynolds. So I think, A, you have to have that appetite to really give up a high-end player. And and the other piece of this is that there are enough quality bats out there now, and this, I think, is one probably frustrating part of this for the Pirates and the trade request and how it's all unfolding, is that there are so many other credible, good outfielders available, and, and I would say Nimmo is very good, and, and Benintendi, when he's at his best, is an all-star, um, you look at Masataka Yoshida, who was posted effective as of today. So his his market will take you know some weeks to work through, but he's a really good contact bat who I think would fit exceptionally well in Seattle. Uh, and we know for a fact that Jerry Depoto has talked about having scouted him uh, already and prepared for his uh, availability. So I, I think uh, could we see Michael Conforto come back home in the Pacific Northwest? I, I, there are so many good at least good average, above average outfield bats available that I expect the Mariners to get one of them. And um, I think as long as as long as those options are available, whether it's, again, Nemo, Conforto, Benintendi, Yoshida, as long as those options are there in the free agent market, I think it's going to be a little hard for them to meet what's going to be an extraordinary high price for Reynolds in the trade market. Hey, JP, uh, yeah, we... Yeah, we haven't talked to you since uh, the Colton Wong news broke, I believe, right? Well, yeah. we have. We certainly didn't. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. What yeah. What are your thoughts on the move, maybe independent of what the Mariners gave away? Because I know getting rid of that Jesse Winker contract was a big part of it. But just Colton Wong, the player, what do you like about what he can bring or what do you think he can add to this Mariners roster? I've always liked Colton Wong. And, and by the way, to, to update what I said earlier, he is uh, Yoshida is 29. So I, I, I knew he was late 20s. I said 27. He's actually 29. Um, so with, with Wong, I love that he's someone that as soon as he arrived in the major leagues, he was in the World Series in his first year with the Cardinals in 20, 2013. He was on the big stage immediately. And I, I, I love that about a player that, it, that 
was in St. Louis, then was in Milwaukee. He's been on contending teams a lot. He's played a lot of meaningful games. He had a little bit of a defensive slump during the course of this past season, but he got himself, I think, corrected to where he was really good defensively down the stretch. Uh, I think uh, offensively, he's always been someone that he's, he's had a, a little bits of streakiness in the past. Uh, I, I think he's, but he's someone who's been a very well respected teammate, and he gives you a very, very solid at bat from the left side. Knows the strike zone exceptionally well. And I, I think he's someone that will benefit likely from the shift not being in play. Obviously, he's always been able to hit to all fields. But I, I just think giving him an even broader canvas to hit against will be to his benefit. And I just think Wong in general is a pro's pro. Great personality, really great teammate, quick to smile, just a really, really great way about him that I've, I've always enjoyed talking to him in the past. And, like, he'll be – he will be – on the all seven ten team as well, just because he's such a great guy. Uh, but he uh, he is also someone that I that I, I really just trust him in a big spot. He's he's been through a lot in the game, um, and he learned to play the game in a very fundamental way in the St. Louis organization. I'm just a big fan of what he brings. And I, when you, when I thought about the options the Mariners had, if they weren't going to get a Trey Turner and move Crawford to second. I really think Juan was about as good as they were going to do in trade. And I think the, the other benefit, and you alluded to it, was just you know the Winker situation had gotten to be a little uncomfortable. And, and Toro, there was a little bit of redundancy with, with Moore and some other guys, Haggerty a little bit, to where they had enough utility guys and they needed someone that's going to be a legit everyday player. And Milwaukee at different times have been trying to save a little bit of money and so that helped them do this. I, I think it was just a really good – opportunistic trade by the Mariners that made a ton of sense. And they're bringing in somebody who I think just gives you a really solid, thorough at bat. I think that, that to me, when I, when I was watching game three against Houston and all the at bats and extra innings, I said to myself, this team needs a little bit of a different look. They need a little bit of a, a, a different guy to have to pitch to that's not going to swing itself off the corner. It's going to make you be in the zone. And I think Colton does that. I think bringing in Teoscar, he gives you a different kind of at-bat, but he's also a hard guy to pitch to. And I think that both Wong and Teoscar give the, give the bonus of not only just the production, but they are guys that can grind an at-bat. And I think Colton especially does that. He's a great pickup for the Mariners. Hey, what, what do you make of his season at the plate last year? Because it, they hardly ran him out there against lefties. He had 350 at-bats against righties, just 80 against lefties, and hit 138 with a 266 on base. But you look at his career, historically, he's been pretty solid against lefties. So do you, do you know what was happening last year with him? You know, it's a great question. I think part of it, too, for the, for the Brewers, they did have uh, Jace Peterson, who they could platoon and, and fit in there. Um, uh, but that, that's a great question in terms of what is what the quality at bats were there. They, they are a team that, that do platoon very aggressively, um, and, and I do think that whether it was a physical thing, he did miss I think a little bit of time this past year to where perhaps uh, maybe there was an issue where he wasn't fully maybe his swing didn't feel quite as good from that side of the plate. Uh, I think that that to me what I would what I would ask him is someone that certainly is is a really good versatile bat, but I, I would expect he's someone that's going to bounce back. In that regard, maybe from a physical standpoint, if he's feeling better on, uh, with his swing against both righties and lefties, that his production will even out a little bit. But uh, that, to me, is more of an aberration than what I would expect from Cold Wong in, in 2023. Morosi is on weekly to talk both baseball and hockey. This week, it was all baseball. 20 minutes worth, which included a Yoshida prediction. He was way off there. A look at Mitch Hanniger in San Francisco and a good discussion of Carlos Correa and the Dodgers' odd payroll situation. All of that can be found in the link. Last but not least, the Jerry DePoto Show, which can be heard every Thursday at 8.30. Did you happen to see any tweets about this one? (laughs) If you missed it, there was lots of spending and market size talk, and that has prompted a number of articles. Since that got all of the coverage coming out of the interview... I cover here a few topics you might have missed. We start with what has got to be one of DePoto's worst nightmares, a winter meeting with no trades. Actually, we had no live visits this year at the winter meetings, which is the first time that's happened in my career. And and the, the traffic was just incredibly light. So we spent a lot of our time coming up with ideas, you know, whiteboarding uh, what 
what trades might look like for us, prepping out free agent targets, you know, who we've gone through ad nauseum already and, and then working through rule five discussions. It was, uh, you know, mostly a, a think tank type session for us. And we didn't physically meet with other teams, communicated with some on, on ideas and thoughts that never really gained any traction, at least while we were there with the understanding that, as again, as the market starts to to pick up speed, which I suspect will will happen in, in the next week or so, that we would be prepared. So while while the trade market was obviously quiet, there were a lot of big free agent deals that were done. You know, what did you learn about the market and the market values based on what did get done during the meetings? You know, like as as is the case every year uh, in. In, at the winter meetings, you have expectations of what the market might look like. And you're probably going to be surprised in learning that it's a little more robust than you thought. <laughs> and, you know, and this, this year we had a feeling it was going to be, uh, they were going to be big numbers, long contracts. And, you know, it's an exceptional free agent class and, and the, the asks were exceptional and, and so were the returns. And, and I, I think it's, it's exciting. It's exciting when it's happening. We like watching it just as much as, as a fan, as these things come rolling across and, you know, and you, you, ooh and you, ah, and then you talk about what, what your thoughts are on it. Just like, just like anybody sitting in the stands. Help me understand how nine to 11 year contracts for players in their thirties make sense. You know, I, I've, I've been in positions where I have signed players on those contracts and, and, you know, it's, and I've also been in the, the position where, where we've had them, you know, here in Seattle and, and for the right player, there, there is that deal. And I, you know, I can cite a few that, you know, Matt Holiday, if I, when Matt Holiday did his deal with the Cardinals, just an awesome contract for, for a guy who wound up having, you know, an awesome run in his thirties. And, uh, and some of them, you know, you understand when you sign those contracts that, that you're paying on the, on the whole for what you're more likely to get on the front end. But uh, it's, uh, I guess with today's sports science and an expectation that players can, can play for longer at a higher peak than they have in years past, which, which I do think is a thing. I'm just not sure that we have enough data to support that that is, you know, that is, True, but that there is a you know there is a, a general trend toward taking care of your body, good sleep, nutrition. It, it's going to make a difference. We just don't have enough evidence yet that that's taking place. But these you know when you you get into free agency, this is what you know this is the benefit of players getting there is is that the very the best, the top of the top, of the free agent market are going to score like this, but they, you know, once you get through the, the layer of, of superstars that, that are signing right now, I think it'll turn back into a normal free agent market. It's just going to take a little while to settle. Are you frustrated at all not to have landed one of those superstars? I mean, would that have been exciting? Would that have helped the Mariners this year? Sure. It would have helped. Am I, you know, I'm not, I, I can't say I'm disappointed. We, we knew well before, and I, and I think you could probably tell, from discussions we've had, we knew well before where the market was headed for, for guys like this. And, and like we should, and we did, we had, we had alternative plans and, and ideas on how we would make ourselves better uh, because we weren't willing to, obviously we weren't willing to go there. And that's, uh, you know, bringing in guys like Teoscar and Colton Wong. And you know, I mentioned it going in, there's, they are players that we have always had interest in that we have targeted and that we saw as, as real pluses in coming to, to Seattle. And, and I said it to our media group as we met each night in, in San Diego, we, we feel like we've gotten better. And, and, and I don't think that's that not true. You just, when you add players like we've added to a core, like we had with expectations of full seasons from guys like Luis Castillo and George Kirby and, you know, this version, you know, the, the June to end of season version of Cal Raleigh, we have an exciting team. And, and I know it's not, it's not exciting to, to watch the free agents pass by, but we think we've improved nonetheless. You know, it's really fun, Jerry. What is today? December 8th or something like that. And 14 years of doing radio in this market, never, ever have we felt the passion of Mariners fans like we do today in December. Never. There is no apathy. 
it is, and you know this, you just said expectations two or three times. The bar has been raised uh, based on what you guys accomplished and your personnel accomplished last year. And I think because of that, the fervor of these fans, the impatience of the fanatics in a good way, is it a pitch that Mike and I have never heard before and never felt before in doing this show? So if you wouldn't mind, and I know you're awesome at answering questions, I'd love to throw a few at you from the audience that that we get on social media and otherwise. Uh, This comes from Kyle Davis, and he said, uh, Jerry has told fans the Mariners would increase payroll when it was time to contend. For the second consecutive year, they haven't made a significant free agent signing to improve the lineup. His ownership ownership committed to increasing the payroll. Love the Mariners. Brock with a tremendous setup there. The rest of the conversation can be found in the links, along with all of the rest of the conversations you heard in this podcast. And there you have it, the Mariners' week that was on Seattle Sports. We'll do this again. Until then, take care.